Welcome to Commander Room, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week we're discussing the premiere episodes of Enterprise, which I didn't put the title in the show notes. It's Broken Bow. Broken Bow. Because yes. his name is Captain Archer. Oh, yes. Yes. They layered it on, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, a few, I guess, production notes first about the episodes. So this show ran from 2001 to 2005. Uh, but inside the Star Trek universe, this takes place a, about a century before Captain Kirk and the Enterprise's five-year mission. Uh, this was done, the show creators were Rick Berman and Brennan Braga, who both had extensive Star Trek experience. And this episode was directed by James L. Conway, who ends up directing one episode per season for Star Trek Enterprise, including the Mirror Universe episode In a Mirror Darkly. Yep. So. And, uh... I'm actually just gonna throw out there uh that if you are a fan of Enterprise, maybe this isn't the episode for you. Perhaps not. The episode as, of our podcast. Yes. Yeah. As usual, I'm going to try and look on the bright side of things. I'm not. Okay. Um, so there were a couple bits of news about the Picard show that's currently in development. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is all from trekmovie.com. And uh, Michael Chabon? Chabon? Who knows? I can't remember. Um, he is actually an executive producer, and most of this is coming off of his Instagram. So if people want to sort of get sneak peeks into the show, I recommend searching for his Instagram. And he, they've narrowed down that the timeline is going to be 20 years after Nemesis, uh, the Star Trek movie, Star Trek Nemesis. And so it's going to be set in 2399. So... Which is roughly 20 years after, like, Voyager ends and all that stuff. Okay. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And Michael Chabon is the author who's also, I think, writing one of the um, mini Trek Trek episodes that will be airing in December. Right. So, yeah. While you were talking, I was checking my Star Trek news. Yep. And Rain Wilson has... Basically said that he's going to be back for Discovery. See, did he actually say Discovery? Because there's also the Harry Mudd mini episode thing. I, I had seen a photo of him with some Orions. And everybody was like, it was kind of posted without context. And some people were like, oh, you know, they're dealing with speculation. And I was like, well, they did say that there was like these mini episodes and one was going to be there a Harry Mudd story. There will be an announcement on Thursday. Okay. So we'll probably have more news about that on our next episode. Yes. Sorry. The first mm-hmm. half of this article was very misleading. And then the second half is all, I hope this leads to him being in season two. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, personally, but whatever. I'm going to save my thoughts about that for if there's more news about it next week. So, Kate... Mm-hmm. Are you ready to talk about the show now? 
Sure. So going into this, you had a pretty low opinion already. Well, I'd never heard anything good. That's including fair. from you. That's fair, because I haven't talked much about it, because it's definitely, like, down there. I, I will re-watch Enterprise more willingly than I will re-watch the original series. Sure. Sure. Just because there's some better story arcs that they get into and then get brutally murdered when they get to the last season and kill the show. There's like a little bit of good stuff building in season three and then it's like, nope. Okay. It's disappointing. And, and if, if you didn't like the way the show started, don't even go to how the show ended. Just, just don't. Well, unless everybody dies, I'd be 100% cool with that. They no, deserve it. I hated every single character. Everybody does not die at the I end. I mean, the dog I'd be I'd be upset about if the dog dies. Yes. That, well, that of was course. he was the only redeeming character and he was very cute and didn't have lines. Okay. Let's run down the characters cuz one of the things that has happened in each of the Star Trek premieres is that they kind of like assemble the cast and you get like that little like meet moment with everyone. Mm -hmm. So there was Captain Archer mm -hmm. and we meet him through my favorite plot device, a flashback <laughs> to his childhood. And not just any flashback. No, no. Like a real shitty flashback. Like the quality of the picture looked like this, like it, it literally looked like a bad outtake from Stand By Me. Like, it looked like it was filmed in the 80s. And a technically non-functional flashback. None of the information in that was necessary for the actions that happened in the episode. And it also made the next scene where you're on a farm and, like, a dad-looking, you know, generic white man bursts out of a... I don't know, a door with a gun. And I was like, is this the same dude? It or was confusing. Yes, it was. I agree. <laughs> like, why Why did that have to happen? Yeah. Yeah. They could have just started with that event and yeah. not flashback to Jonathan Archer. And they could have just, if they needed his motivation explained, he could have had a conversation with his crew. Like, convincing to Paul to join it in a more, you know reasonable sort of way than after the series of events that happened in these episodes, her just feeling like she's compelled to for plot reasons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I, I didn't buy her joining into like joining the ship after the display of, uh, you know, the, the first mission. Uh, yeah. I feel I like they thought, Everybody got to a point where they were working together and being a crew, but mm -hmm. that I don't I don't actually think that happened. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um I mean, I think it maybe somewhat happened with a few of the crew, but to Paul, I I didn't yeah, I just didn't buy it. That's that's fair. I didn't buy a single thing in this show. <laughs> okay. And, uh, 
you were really upset with how her and uh, Archer's relationship was starting off. I mean, he just talked. Like, I get that she was being condescending also, but it all, all of the men were being condescending towards her also too, and I, I just hated them, and I hated everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was like the humans, like have this big animosity towards the Vulcans because they feel like the Vulcans have been holding them back, right? And normally, I would have a lot of uh, empathy for that. I hate that stuff. Yeah. But I, I didn't. I just didn't care. Like, I wasn't happy. Like, like I, I genuinely had no feelings one way or the other. Which is just bad television. Yeah, and the, like... The Vulcans had a super smug superiority here, hmm. which was also not I great for didn't us. Didn't care. Yeah. Now, one of the next characters we meet was Doctor Flox, played by John Billingsley. Okay. Oh yeah, and sorry, jumping back quickly, T'Pol is played by Jolene Blaylock, mm-hmm. and. One of the issues I have is that I know in real life she was never a Star Trek fan, and they basically cast her because she was a model, and she wanted to break into acting. Like, that's it. Those things don't bother me. Uh, well, I can't point to anything specific because it was so long ago, but I think there was, like, things that she said in interviews about, like, Star Trek and and was kind of dismissive of it in a way. Uh. And just her general attitude toward it. Because, like, I mean, Jerry Ryan sort of came into Star Trek under somewhat similar um, scenario. But now she is, like, a huge... Like, she is part of the Star Trek family. Like, if you follow her online presence... Who is this? Uh, Jerry Ryan played Seven of Nine in oh, Voyager. Okay. So she very much embraced the Star Trek fan culture and it was very positive around it and uh, supportive of the Star Trek message of inclusivity and exploration and all those sorts of themes. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I, I don't think Jolene Blaylock ever was like, felt that way about it. Well, from what I've so. seen of this show, uh, of, of Enterprise, they don't really ever get to the whole inclusivity stuff. Do they? Just well, just bullshit. I mean, Dr. Flox is an alien, and they welcome him and his techniques aboard. But are there any, like, overarching themes? Is there any intelligences in this show? Because I didn't see any of that. They do start to explore it somewhat later. Hmm. It's, I've only watched the show through once, and it's been years, so... Right. This this first episode this is, didn't fill me with high that, expectations. That, yes, yeah. Uh, but in general, what did you think of the the doctor? Dr. Flox? He had like five lines and he seemed like a caricature. Okay. I have no I, good things. Okay. I, I, I have not one other than the dog. Okay. Because Dr. Flox, I feel like, is one of the better characters on the show and has some more interesting uh, stories down the road and, and his perspective is sort of interesting down the road. So, like, looking back, I have good feelings towards him and his character. He seemed like he might be good for some humor. Uh, yep. Yeah. That's, 
Like that that he, seemed like his whole purpose. He does definitely bring in some humorous elements and but also like I believe part of his culture is also that where their marriage isn't just like a man and a woman, but there's actually two men and two women. Okay. And so they talk about that a little bit and his one of his wives comes on the ship like comes on the ship for a bit and yeah. And they talk about how the humans are like so like backwards in that regards that they have such a limited notion of these sorts of things and it so yeah, he had some some interesting stuff. I, I wouldn't mind revisiting some of those things that I remember that were interesting, mm-hmm. but then you have to slog through all of the stupid, really badly written other stuff. Right. I'm not going to. No, I I wouldn't expect you to. There was literally a point when I was watching this last night where I thought to myself, if Jen ever makes me watch more of this, I will no longer do this show with her. But then I was like, well, that's kind of mean. I like doing this show. And I was like, I'll just never edit another one. <laughs> that's what I'll do. Alrighty. It, that was, has been noted. I hated this. Um, next, I believe we meet uh, Lieutenant Malcolm Reed and Ensign Travis Mayweather. Who are assholes, and I hate them. <laughs> yes, they had, like the astonishing single-mindedness of just objectifying women. Yeah, that was their whole thing. That was all they did. And I, I'm pretty and sure again. I'm pretty sure it's a, a bit of a thing that comes up with them throughout the series. And I had forgotten it until they started talking about like, oh, that alien species and is it true that the and I was like oh, have we just been transported back in time? Like, is this the 80s? No, no, no. This was made in the 2000s. I, like, I can't believe that. Just from the physical look of the show, it looked so bad. Well, I, I don't understand. Part of it was that they had to also make it look technologically like it was pre-original series. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't care about that. That's fine. And I understand that that would be hard, but I just mean, like, the lighting and and the whatever cameras they were, like, what, who, who, it was so bad. And also the dialogue. Oh, my God. When you flash back to Archer being a kid, the the outfits that they're wearing and just the look of it, it looks like they're in the 50s, which would work for the modern stuff or, or the present day stuff being in the 80s. Well, that's true. And I wonder if they were, like, trying to call back to that on purpose because they're going for this sort of, like, um, themes of, like, I don't know where I'm trying to, I don't know the words that I'm trying to go for with this. But, like, they're trying to make it look older than the other stuff or whatever. I get that, but it didn't, yeah. it didn't, it didn't come across that way. It just came across cheap and poorly written. Hmm. Oh my god, especially that flashback scene. I, It felt like they had plucked something out of Leave It to Beaver. And I wanted to punch everyone. Yeah, I didn't notice so much the quality aspect of it uh, as much as the like absolute uselessness of it. Mm-hmm. It didn't move the plot forward. It At times, like when he's flashing back later on in the show, it like interrupts that shot of the modern 
of the modern moment. Mm-hmm. And the only reason for it was to, like, you know, to show us this is a culmination of his childhood dream. It's like the fulfillment of his father's mission. Like, and I'm like, but we didn't need to see that. Like, that should be in his character that we see in other ways through the things he says and the things he does. But they filmed all this stuff and then stuck it in there. And it was, I felt so unnecessary. But if we hadn't seen it, we wouldn't get that fabulous line about not being afraid of the wind. Right. Fuck me. (laughs) Not the most memorable of lines. Uh, Now, going back to the characters, Mm -hmm. uh, you don't see this much in the episode, but Travis Mayweather later on also gets the most awkward speech moments um just to share with you a little bit of what you missed there is one episode that i distinctly remember where like he is talking and instead of staying in his pilot seat the ship's not flying so this is not a safety issue but he like stands up and has this like big ass monologue about these things and it is the most awkwardly written scene ever (laughs) So, yeah, the bad writing doesn't get too much better from here on in. And then we go to Linda Park as Ensign Hoshi Sato. Mm -hmm. And I tried to find this out, but I did not I did not find success with this. Doesn't it seem like when we meet her that she knows the captain? Yes. That there's like some sort of history of them knowing each other some through something that we yes. they kind of nothing nothing I was searching through her like character information online mm-hmm. and no nothing nothing that was just he sought out the best linguist and like they maybe had like a calm where he offered her the job once and then he goes to meet her and that's it like that's the basis of their history. That I could find out looking online. Alright. I was so disappointed. So, anyway. Sorry, I'm just reading some of the notes that I took. Uh, She was fine, I guess. I didn't hate her. Right. You know what also bothered me? Mm -hmm. I noticed the captain calling her Hoshi, which is her first name. Mm -hmm. And... I would have to go back and rewatch it specifically for this, which I'm not going to do. But I didn't notice him calling, like, uh, Reed Malcolm. Right. You know, I didn't notice. He may have said Travis instead of Mayweather. But then again, it was the sort of thing where he's calling her Hoshi. Yeah. Which led me to believe they know each other prior to this. Okay, there's a relationship. But there's not. But then there's not. And so I'm like, I like, it really makes me uncomfortable that he was calling just her by her first name. Like on the bridge when they're like about to, you know, go do something. And I'm like, was he trying to make her feel at ease? Because it kind of comes across as creepy now. Yeah. And why didn't they ever have the Vulcan lady help with translating? I don't know that she would know how to speak all the other languages. It it just seemed like they had this resource that they were never using. You know? 
Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm it, wrong, but I... It may have simply been that, like, one of Archer's things is chip on his shoulder, is that the humans have to prove their worth. They have to prove that they can do things on their own, kind of. I guess. And then there was Connor Trenier as Commander Charles Does he die? Tucker the Third. Trip. I hope Does he, he dies. Die? You least. didn't like him? No, oh. I despised him. I didn't like anybody, but I despised him. He turns out to have some of the best stuff, I think. I mean, not necessarily his individual shows, but I think that his character has some of the best progress over the series. And he needs it. Okay. Uh, Explain that. Was, Was he... He wasn't objectifying to women. That's fair. He just... He talks with he just bothered an me. accent. Yeah, that's... Yeah. But I think he just bothered me. Okay. I will say that a lot of this show felt... I think I've mentioned before about how the Federation codes very American. Yes. And this show leaned the fuck into that. Yes. And I literally have a note here that says, I feel like this guy is about to say, God bless America. And I hate him. (laughs) Um, They really were. And like the flashbacks lean into that. Mm -hmm. The cornfield in Broken Bow where they land really leaned into that. Archer is so all American apple pie. Yeah. Like even like, and like, but his superiors were like so military. And yes. Now this uh, is bef- like this is the very beginning of Starfleet. So they're they're bridging from a military into a planetary space organization. So I can I can see where that would start. But it was so well, and they were all American military, right? Yeah. There was no other cultures represented there. Mm-hmm. And then even some of the other characters feel very tokeny and stereotyped. Like uh, Mayweather is, you know, the the young optimistic black kid. Yeah. And they have the smart Asian girl. Yep. And then they have like, you know, the the good old like redneck kind of character. It was just like. Yeah, very, very stereotypical sort of representation of different, you know, yeah, not good. Not good. I just, and maybe it's a, no, well, maybe at the time it wouldn't have bothered me so much. Mm -hmm. I can't, I, well, no, things like that always bothered me, though. I can remember being bothered by it from the beginning. But especially current landscapes yeah i just don't feel like americans being in charge is what we would want in an alien situation or at least not solely in charge yeah god it reminds me that infuriating scene in independence day which is generally a movie i enjoy because it's you know it's that good type of trash yeah but like near the end 
when they have a plan and they like radio around uh, or Morse code around to a whole bunch of different countries and it is implied that everybody's like, oh good, the Americans have saved us. It's like, right. fuck you. <sighs> but I assume most of the audience is American and they either wouldn't notice or wouldn't care. Right. Um, now, how did you feel about the story that was in the show? So, this Jen, Klingon... I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah? I don't remember much. Okay. <laughs> I understand there was a Klingon and there were some other aliens that were kind of freaky. But yes. I don't remember what their whole thing was. Something about a temporal war. They said those words a lot, so I remember that. A, a but, temporal cold war. Yeah, whatever. And yeah. But I don't remember what the details were on that or what their whole deal was. Genetic engineering? I don't know. We got to see the inside of one. Mm-hmm. Could have lived without that. Hmm. Okay. Oh my god, when they were sneaking around the ship and the Klingon was yelling? <laughs> Fuck that guy. Creepy. Why wouldn't they just shoot him? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, sir. We're trying to sneak you off here. If you're gonna scream and bring them to us, I'm gonna shoot you in the head. <sighs> sorry, that bit bugged me. Okay. So, the premise of the show is like... There's a newly formed uh, space exploration mm-hmm. from Earth. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go off and explore the galaxy. And a Klingon is injured on their home ta- territory. And they're going to bring him back mm-hmm. to the Klingon home world. So that they I don't remember. have yep, bad yep. relations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on the way, like, part of the Klingon's mission was to bring a message that was from Asulaban, which was the freaky aliens. Mm-hmm. Something about a temporal cold war. Mm-hmm. And so just based on, like, not that trying to separate what we saw from just, like, those ideas of, like, you know, the exploration and there's a mission to return this Klingon and there's a temporal cold war and there's, you know, conflicts. That premise of the start of a show, mm-hmm. how do you think of that? Like, do you think the idea had promise or do you think the idea has problems? I mean, it seems fine, I guess, if there were... I don't... Okay. Sure? Okay. I I, I don't know. <laughs> what are you looking for here? I don't know. What? <laughs> I just wanted to know what you thought of it, because, like, essentially this is, like, opening up the idea of a time travel show. Because like, that's what Temporal Cold War is, is about time travel. Yeah, and time travel doesn't bother me the way it bothers you. No, I know, but I you seem to like it. So I was wondering if, like, just the idea was good for you, or are you, you know... Well, I wasn't thinking, oh, I want to watch more, but I don't think that had anything to do necessarily with the idea of a temporal Cold War. Okay. So much as their general execution of everything was bad. Gotcha. So it's just, the idea could have potentially had merit, mm-hmm. but the way they did it was very, very flawed. Okay. See, the thing is, I don't even know if the plot was flawed. The characters were all horrendous, and the dialogue was all horrendous. That I, I can't even, I can't, I can't even judge the plot. Mm. Okay. I, I couldn't even really watch the second episode so much as I just had it on while I did other things. Okay. Because that was the only way I was going to get through it. It was very controversial when it came out. Why? Just. 
Well, just because, like, Star Trek has never been about time travel. Oh, oh, Star Trek controversial, I see. Yes, yeah, Star Trek controversial, not, you know, controversial in general. Okay. Uh, so I remember at the time, a lot of people were, like, very pissed off that they were bringing uh, any sort of, like, time travel and, you know, things into, like, the core premise of the show. Right. Sometimes they do, like, a one-off episode about it. Mm-hmm. That's been known to happen. But that's not what Star Trek is really about. And so a lot of people were like, wait, wait, you're making a show where, like, time travel is going to be a thing? And the time travel aspects of the series were some of my least favorite things as well, so. I could guess that about you. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's even another character introduced later on who's, like, part of the Federation. It's trying to fix it and save things and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, and it's always, like, I hated those episodes where that came up. I feel like it probably could have been good, but it wasn't. You know? Yeah, I was trying to think of just that, like, premise, and I think that if it were not in the Star Trek universe, I would think better of the premise. Mm-hmm. Like, I think just, like, a sci-fi show where they're, like, going to explore space for the first time, and they immediately run into, like, get tangled up in a temporal Cold War, like, that would be interesting. But I'd want to see, like, a genuinely multicultural representation Yeah, on that Space Force, Or have it be that, like, part of the struggle is that there's multiple Earth space forces happening at the same time. Also, I feel like they weren't judged by God in this one, which just makes it not really Star Trek. Yeah, I I wanted to discuss, too, how this one compared to the other Star Treks. Because I was like, yeah, there's no God judgment in it, but there's no God judgment in Discovery either. So I was like... That's true, that's true. And and they even, you know, conflict with the Klingons is kind of like the start of both of them. Sure, sure. Kind of. But I, like, bit. cared about the characters in Discovery. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they chose to start with a flashback in Enterprise because they didn't want to start with the Klingon. But why not? That would be like, oh, hey, it's Star Trek. Okay, But when you lead off with an image on a show, that is sometimes seen as, like, setting up an expectation with the viewer as to, like, what the focus of the show is. So the focus of the show is piss-poor flashbacks. (laughs) Yeah, I think I would have preferred the the, uh, uh, incident with the Klingons. Yeah. Myself. I, yeah. Just so that everybody knows, because this comes up whenever... We talk about this show. Mm-hmm. During the first, like, two lines of the opening credits, mm-hmm. I was like, this isn't so bad. Why does everybody hate it? And then suddenly it was an 80s power ballad. Oh, yes. What the fuck? Yes. They were invoking, like, the best Brian Adams and John Mellencamp they could find. But, like, bad. It was funny because the theme... It was also controversial because it was not an instrumental theme. And it grew on me as we watched the series. And then at the end, they change it to make it sound more country. You should look it up, Kate. It's bad. Like, you think it's bad now? It gets worse. (laughs) 
I just don't understand why. It was 2001, not 85. It's so bad. Can we just burn it all down? <laughs> Ugh. Like I said, the song itself grew on me. When they retuned it, it was awful. But I don't think it's a good choice for Star Trek. Because it didn't sound as bad in the 2000s. Like, it kind of... I don't remember thinking I was flashing back to the 80s. I remember criticizing it. But but now, going forward almost 20 years, it feels dated. And I feel like the same way about like the original series lyric parts where they have like the the vocals... Mm-hmm. Um, again, I feel like that feels dated, whereas just an instrumental piece, I don't think it has the same problem. It was so bad. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for them, a year later, Firefly came around and did it much better. Uh-huh. And even the flash, like the scenes they chose for the intro... Mm-hmm was, again, very controversial because it wasn't just, like... I mean, Next Generation was just, like, space scenes with the ship flying by kind of idea. Oh, yeah, and Deep Space Nine was, weird, again... Yeah. Like, and I mean, Discovery's also broken from that. Like, even the, the tone of Discovery's lyrics is very different because it's a warm tone because they've got the sepia backdrop and, like, the, the schematics. Schematics. But there's no lyrics. No. Um, it's instrumental. Okay, sorry, you, a... you said lyrics. Oh, did I? Yes, and I was confused. Okay, no, it's got the sepia background and it's got, like, schematics. Yes. it's probably what I meant to say. And different sort of images, but the images are all, like, related to the tech of Discovery. Whereas the in Enterprise, it was, like, uh, looking back at space exploration over the years kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't... I don't think it worked very well. No. And you're right, Firefly. When did Firefly come out? 2002. 2002? Yeah, it did it much better, but also, you know, did not last very long. That's true. This was just not a good era for space TV. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, no, I guess no. Sorry, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I was actually going to get into a deep thing on Firefly, but this isn't a Firefly podcast. Okay. We can save that. We can have a whole special episode if people want us to discuss Firefly. Um. Now, I had sort of teased with you in the past about the decontamination scenes that Enterprise was known for. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, do, do you understand now <laughs> what I meant by that? That was awkward and uncomfortable. Ah, uh, yeah. Like nope. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. I, guess. I don't know. Yeah. That that was the bit at the time that was like standing out as egregiously objectifying of people. And there was a big to-do about it. And it's just as bad as, as I remembered. It was pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek has always, like, objectified and had things on for, you know, to satisfy mostly the male gaze mm-hmm. uh, all through its history. Uh, but in this one, it was, like, taking it to, you know, the next level where it's now they have to rub each other. Did They didn't rub each other, did they? I only noticed them rubbing themselves. 
No, they had to get the backs of each other. Oh, I wasn't. And like the backs of their ears and like this was along an episode the clothing two line. Where I wasn't paying close attention. Yeah. And so, but also like the logical part of my brain is like, was the skin that's under their clothes not contaminated? Yeah. <laughs> and why is this method used? Like, is it to conserve resources? Because you could just dip them in a tub one at a time. And then have them all be dressed in front of each other properly. Like. Yep. You. you, Yeah. And what about their hair? Does their. Like if their skin has this potentially on it. Like. I, Yeah. I was just very. The logic part of my brain was incredibly frustrated that they wanted us to believe in this advanced technology world. That this was still the best way to decontaminate people. I don't even think that's a way to decontaminate people now. Yeah, I, d- I, yeah. I think they actually put you in a shower type of yeah. situation. See, that would make more sense to me. Yeah. And they don't like, usually... Well, no, they, they might make you shower in front of uh, whoever. Yeah, I, anyway. I feel like there isn't much privacy in the space program. Probably not. Although, I mean, I guess you could always request to do it separately. It would just take a little bit longer. But anyway, yeah. Uh, The other problematic thing I wanted to point out that came up for me this time that I didn't notice as much when I originally watched the series is not only are uh, Travis and Malcolm objectifying women, but there's also a lot of, like, exoticizing of other cultures. Oh, yeah. Which... Is hugely problematic. Yes. Um, and I feel like from what we've seen so far of Enterprise, it has perhaps been one of the worst Star Treks for trying to show that we should actually try and see and understand a culture for what it is. Because, mm-hmm. I mean... In Next Gen and Deep Space Nine, that was like a big part of that intro episode is that they were trying to like understand and yeah make you know connections and things like that Mm -hmm. and i feel like just because this predates the original series doesn't mean they had to throw that out the window Mm -hmm. and i feel like they just kind of threw it out the window and it was almost for like the humor aspect of like oh of course the guys are going to the strip club and it's just so not funny i mean it wasn't okay in 2001 but even now, it's just not even a little funny. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now, the one good thing I think we'll agree on okay. is there's a dog on the ship. Oh, yeah, the beagle's so cute. The beagle is adorable. Did you catch the beagle's name? Uh, Porthos. Yes. Named for one of the Musketeers. musketeers. Yeah. Very cute. He is adorable. He is very cute. There was not enough of him on the show in general. Nope. Everybody needs to die and the show needs to be about the dog. (sighs) Yes. Dogs in space. Yes. That would be very adorable. Star Trek's untapped resource. Although, again, that is such an American thing. Of course, there's a fucking dog. Yeah. Uh, There is an episode where Archer brings Porthos on an away mission. Nice. And Porthos gets sick. (gasps) 
and he gets super pissed off at the species he was visiting for like not warning and like he just has like a really bad reaction to this where it's like no asshole your dog your responsibility and so dr flox has to like take care of him and the captain spends the whole time like in the sick bay with his dog watching over him because he's sick and the dog does not die so anybody listening is worried can rest assured the dog does not die why is everybody an asshole on this show? Yeah, I feel like Archer was really badly written. Every time he spoke, I wanted him dead. I mean, that's really no different from any of the other characters, except for maybe the um, the translator, Hoshi. Okay. I don't think I wanted her dead ever. Hmm. But everybody else. Yeah. I, I end up liking a lot of Tripp's future storyline. Um... And Archer maybe improves, but the problem becomes quickly that, like, the commander should be who the show centers around, and it's not. It's still the captain, so his stories just feel, like, awkwardly placed in the center of the episode. It, yeah. Okay. It was, even when it was good, it was badly awkward at times. I'll say that. Never watching this show again. Even if we do, like, another themed series, it's not happening. No, no, no. I I might rewatch it to narrow down what I enjoyed about it, but I would not subject you to that. Thank you. I even, like, asked if my husband wanted to watch it with me, and he was like, ah, no. No, I'm going to skip. Hard pass on that. That is fair. For, for just the, these two episodes, I was like, he was like, nope, nope. Much respect. Yeah. And yeah, no, they were so bad. Okay. Now, if any of our listeners would like to share their opinions on Enterprise, good or bad, you can send us feedback. Uh, feel free to email us or at us on Twitter. I think we did have at least one tweet. Yeah. Um, this is a good spot to... Do you, do you want me to read the tweet we got? Sure. So it was from uh, at Matthew Vose. Friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show. Uh, he tweeted a couple things at us, actually, that he had a huge argument with his girlfriend at the time because she watched this with her housemates rather than waiting to watch it with Matthew. And it turns out I shouldn't have been that bothered, he said. Yeah. And then he specifically also was... Uh, responding to Scott Bakula. I enjoy Scott Bakula, but the writing for him is awful. Paul can be good, but in the premiere, I'm not sure. Maybe the opening song? And, like, I can see according to your musical tastes where you might like or dislike the opening song. I will say, I think, that's I think fair. That maybe the opening song is in reference to what did you hate the most. Oh, I didn't. Because you asked that. Oh, what did you, well, I asked, what did you hate most of all? Was there anything to love? <laughs> so, Matthew, clarify. Oh, yeah. Hate or love that opening song? Oh, God. My respect for you might... <laughs> Unless you like it ironically, <laughs> it might be. Anyways. <laughs> he might not be okay. welcomed back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matthew, tread carefully. Um, it's just objectively no, if anybody, bad. <laughs> if any of our listeners disagree with Kate, I am willing to hear your your discussion on I'm it. I'm not. Um, 
very close-minded okay, just... about that opening song. It was terrible. <laughs> okay. Um, shall we go into our recommendations? Do you have a recommendation this week? Uh, yes, yes. Um, yes, I do. Okay. The transition caught me Did... a little off guard there. But I, indeed, I do. Probably everybody who's going to watch this has already watched it. But I did watch The Dragon Prince on Netflix this past week, and it was incredibly good and exactly what I wanted, and I would like many more episodes. Okay, I was just going to ask if it was the the series or like a movie, but this is a... It was a nine-episode cartoon um, made by some of the same yep. people who did uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. and it's just a good fantasy series with fun things and like very much aimed at children but enough intelligence and political intrigue that anybody can really watch it i definitely want to check it out because my kids did enjoy avatar Mm -hmm. and i am also all about dragons and it sounds like all the people i know who have seen it so far have enjoyed it is it just the first episode or did you watch all nine nine. okay because sometimes they just release one Thing, like no, no, no. This is a one episode. Series. They released all of season one. Oh, that's right. Netflix just does the yeah. whole thing all at once. Okay. Okay, cool. I will have to try and check it I out. I will say season one, a little light on dragons. Mm-hmm. That's but, okay. Um, I can't. I, I, I don't want to spoil anything. Never mind. Okay. I feel like with dragons, you're either like, you know, fully in high fantasy the entire time. Or the other way to do that is to like have it build and be this, you know, build up to this big, awesome mythical creature. Well, so I'm okay if it's like very light on actual dragons, or if it's just like thematically the dragon prince. That's fine. Well, I will say like the world is very high fantasy dragons. Just mm-hmm. things that have happened politically makes it currently a little light on dragons. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, cool. Do you have a recommendation? I do you have a recommendation. I'm, I'm just going to go back to that one with one more thing. Um, one <laughs> okay. of the things that I really loved about it is there is a woman who oh. is a general of an army who is deaf and only speaks in sign language. Oh, that is awesome. And what I have seen, it is like they actually animated out proper ASL because there you can see subtitles of it online. That is very cool. And she's, she's awesome. Very cool. And yeah. So, sorry. I just wanted to say that. No, no, that's fine. I do have a recommendation this week too. I'm very excited about it. A while back, I tweeted about this from our account that there was a queer Star Trek podcast starting Mm -hmm. and they have released their first four or five episodes by this time, maybe six. And I checked out one of the episodes. So the podcast is called Outcast, a queer Star Trek podcast. And you can, their website is www.queertrek.com. Okay. And so they are looking at uh, queerness and gayness in the Star Trek universe. And I cannot remember the hosts' names, and they do not have them on their website. Um, but the episodes so far, they've been kind of... Um, they've looked at a few characters who, while they may not be canon- canonically, canonically mm-hmm. queer or gay... They have been looking at them from a queer or gay reading of the characters. Mm -hmm. And so I listened to their fourth episode, which is all about the Doctor from Voyager. And it was very interesting. The Doctor from Voyager Um, is a hologram, isn't he? 
yes, and he's also a character. All right. Okay. 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 <laughs> he's he's in all almost every episode. Um. So yeah. So they looked at him. One of their other episodes looked at Odo. One of them looked at Garrick. Uh, so they do like a queer reading of it. They talk about how the themes that come up for these characters are also uh, things that uh, gay or queer people face with their identities. It was really, really interesting. They referenced a book, which I will eventually want to track down and read. And yeah, I recommend you check it out. Uh, it's if you want more general Star Trek content, or if you're interested in um looking at media from that queer or gay perspective cool yeah i guess that's that's yeah. uh, that's it for today yeah i guess so so if you want to get in touch with us and you want to share your thoughts about enterprise or any of the other things that we have talked about you can send us questions or comments we have an email a command of her own at gmail.com you can add us on Twitter at command of her own, and you can check out our Instagram, instagram.com slash a command of her own. And hopefully next time we're going to be finishing off our premiere series with the, with rewatching the discovery premiere. Yes. Yes. And I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Yeah. Okay. okay. See you all next time. Yes. Bye. Bye. Opening with a cough. That's good. Well, I'm not going to leave that there. <laughs> I know.